Hey, welcome to the Victory Family Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. All right, all right, all right. Come on, take a minute. Welcome Meadville and Newcastle and those with us online. We love you all so much. Have a special Kingdom Builders guest for you today. Pastor Ernest and Sarah Grant are here. Accelerate Church, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Would you welcome them? Now, just so you know, they have escorted the most important guest here to Victory this weekend. Listen, this is a celebration. Is Amela is here, and she is remarkable, and her brother Chancellor is in the back. Tell her how much you love her. Come on. She's awesome. Ooh. And just so you know, I told her the Italian weakness of squeezing the faces of, of children that they love, and she said, I said, but I won't bother you. She said, it's okay. <laughs> now, is that the sweetest child on the planet? Listen, uh, the reason, how many of you enjoyed Matt Joya last weekend? Wasn't that a blessing? <laughs> Kingdom Builders, we want you to experience the people that you're investing in. Mm. We want you to experience their lives. We want you to hear their story. These are church planters that are heroes. I'm telling you, mm. and I mean this sincerely, planting a church is like chewing through cement. And they're doing it in the city of Cherry Hill, which is connected right to Camden County in Camden, New Jersey. If you know anything about Camden, New Jersey, it is not a very easy city. Mm. It's a city in great distress. Mm-hmm. And they have planted a church, and I'm gonna, you're going to get to hear the story of it. You're going to hear your part in that story. And this precious couple are remarkable. And so I just want you to get a chance to meet them. I want you to see what you're doing in the Northeast and how you're serving church planters, kingdom builders, how you are making a difference because these people are called of God and are currently multiplying the kingdom of God because how many of you believe in God with us in the Northeast to see a great awakening? Amen. Amen. And God is sending choice laborers like this. So at all of our campuses, I'm going to pray and I want you to celebrate and welcome in a moment Pastor Ernest as he shares with you today as we welcome this wonderful family. So Father, we open our hearts today to hear from heaven. Thank you for this precious family. Thank you for the call of God that they've obeyed. Thank you, Lord, that as they've honored you and obeyed you and others have come alongside them, the kingdom of God is expanding in that city and in that region. We are so grateful Now, Lord, I thank you for the great grace upon Pastor that as he shares his heart today, that it will resonate in ours so that we can see the part that we play, not just in Camden, but in our everyday life in advancing your kingdom. We love you, Lord. We celebrate this family in all of our campuses. We welcome them in Jesus' name. Amen. Give them a great welcome, would you? Come on, everybody. Amen, man. Have fun. Thank you, man. Love you. Well, what's up, Victory Family Church? How you guys doing today? You're doing well. Can we give it up for our worship team for that awesome worship? Awesome. So glad to be here. And thank God for all the influence uh, the Victory Family Church is having all throughout this region and in this world. I'm so, so very grateful for you. Um, And I would be remiss if I did not say thank you to Pastor John and Michelle. Can we put our hands together for them uh, one time? They... They are such a a gift to the body of Christ, and they've made a significant impact in my wife and I and our children, and we're so very thankful for them. Uh, Our children are spoiled rotten going back home now. They had Swedish fish for breakfast today. I don't know. Pastor John said, this is, these are vegetables, and my daughter believes they're vegetables now, and uh, my son ordered a $40 piece of salmon last night. 
Then I looked him in the face. I said, son, you better enjoy this because <laughs> we're going back to eating chicken nuggets and fries when we get home. <laughs> better get used to this, right? <laughs> I'll throw them in the air fryer for you so they're nice and crispy, but uh, <laughs> I don't know about the salmon, buddy. He almost had a breakdown when I told him that, so I told him that. So it was really grateful. So grateful for them. They have been really, really such a blessing to us. Uh, Pastor Steve and Dana Moore have also been incredible. So grateful for them. I know that they're watching us. Uh, Pastor Steve is so good at sending that critical text message, um, helping us navigate through the terrain of church planting. Um, and I'm just so appreciative of all of the things uh, that has happened with this leadership, how they have just inspired church planters. It can be very difficult planning a church, uh, but when you have a strong support system around you, uh, like we do, it makes it a lot more palatable. So I'm grateful for them. And last but not least, I want to thank God for the kingdom builders in the building today. Let me tell you, we would not be able to push back the darkness in the region of Cherry Hill uh, if it were not for your generosity. And I just want to let you know how appreciative and grateful uh, we are because we are direct, uh, we directly benefit from all the things that God has used you to do. And I'm just so very, very thankful for that today. All right. So jump with me. I'm in 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. I want to preach our verse today where we founded our name, but also talk a little bit about how you all have helped uh, push forward or accelerate the vision of the church through kingdom builders. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 3.1, it says, in addition, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored even as it was among you. Why don't you take a moment and let's pray in all the campuses. Jesus, we thank you so much. Thank you that you are the ultimate kingdom builder, that the father is the ultimate generous one by giving his son Jesus uh, to take care, to expand your kingdom and your visible reign in all the earth. And Jesus, I pray that you will be with me right now. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable to you. I pray that someone who is far from you today will know that they are loved unconditionally and that they will, be, uh, that they will come on home to you today. Lord, thank you for this amazing church. I pray that you will bless this time in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that, why don't you say amen. So uh, Sarah and I planted, as you might know, Accelerate Church in September of 2021, uh, right in the middle of something you might remember it. It's called the pandemic. And so we planted in the middle of the pandemic. But our origin story actually starts all the way back in 2011. Uh, my, my, my lovely wife and I helped to plant a church called Epiphany Fellowship Church of Camden, New Jersey, which is about 15 minutes outside of Philadelphia. And, and God used us to make an indelible impact in that region for over six years. Uh, it was a beautiful time. And then my father in the ministry, Pastor Doug Logan, uh, handed the baton to us. And let me just tell you, uh, when you become a lead pastor, you really have no idea what you're doing. No idea at all. Uh, you think you have an idea when you're like an associate, but once you get into that seat, it's like, oh, I don't have a clue. I don't understand the pressures. I don't understand the nuance of this, this, of this position. It was crazy. Uh, I think I set the Guinness Book of World Records for most sermons preached in the book of Colossians. 19. We didn't even ship for Christmas. Somebody was like, can we get a Mother's Day sermon, a Christmas sermon? I'm like, no, you're going to get Colossians. No, no, you, you, we're going to talk about these, these festivals and things like that. They're like, come on, man, come on. But it was a great, it was an amazing time. Like, and I don't even have to give God glory for this. I'm going to take credit for this. I'm not even going to give credit to my wife. I was able to grow the church by myself from 100 to 50 people. <laughs> I'll take credit for that. Yeah, it, it took a feat. 
It took a lot of energy to do that, right? It was amazing. But listen, we were so, I was so filled with, with vision, and, and, but I had no processes in order to execute the vision. I was filled with all these ideas and I was wondering like, God, you know, we want to see people reach for the glory of Jesus, but we had no practical point of execution. And so it was during that time after paying a lot of dumb tax. I don't know if you've paid the dumb tax before, but it is costly. Uh, And so after paying a bunch of the dumb tax, we decided that we were going to go to this pastor's conference in 2019. And uh, I took a few volunteers of my dream teamers with me and we went to Birmingham, Alabama. It was called this grow, it was called the grow conference. It was an amazing time. I remember the minister stepped up to the stage and he was like, it is God's desire that your church grow. And that was the first time I had ever heard that. And he was like, no, no, it's not just about numbers. It's not about big buildings and and big offerings. It's because heaven and hell are real. And as long as heaven and hell are real, we have a mandate to share the gospel and to tell people about Jesus. And if your church is healthy, it's going to naturally grow. I left out of there so, so encouraged by that. And I was like, I had so much joy and I was full of so many new ideas. And then something happened to me that I didn't expect. I got what professionals call the post-conference blues. I thought that the momentum of this conference was going to carry us into the months ahead. I was like, oh, we're going to do it. I'm going to run my staff. We're going to build systems. We're going to scale. We're going to do all of these things. But I found myself feeling like I couldn't do it. I found myself wondering. I was, I was melancholy. So as I got on that connecting flight from uh, Birmingham to Philadelphia, because apparently there's no direct flights, uh, as I got on that flight, I just became melancholy. I had this profound sense of sadness and this profound sense of disappointment because I was having a hard time determining, God, is this a God dream or is this my empty ambition? Is this me believing that you're going to do this thing? Are you speaking to me or is this just a product of my hopes and my aspirations and perhaps I'm using this as a means to cover my own insecurities? Because I don't know about you, but sometimes the voice of God that you hear in your head sounds often like our false self or it sounds like our insecurity. So I was just filled with all of this anxiety. So I I got on the plane uh, from Birmingham to Charlotte, the connecting flight. I was in row 36,852. A little, a little, it was, matter of fact, I don't think that was a big plane. It was a little crop duster. So I got on a little crop duster and then I got into the, I said hello to the couple that was between me. And then I just got on there. I put on my headphones and I was listening to Travis, Travis Green's You Made a Way. And I just started crying. I started bawling. I had a frank conversation with God in that moment. Well, matter of fact, I didn't do too much talking because I was using my tears as language during that time. I was just there, I was just there crying and wondering, God, are you with me in this endeavor? Are you going to be with me? Or is, is this blind ambition, are you going to allow us to be a church that's ethnically and economically diverse, that reaches people far from Jesus, that gets the disconnected connected, um, that, that has the lost children of God come home like Luke 15? Father, are you going to do that or am I wasting my time here? Should I go back to being an environmental scientist? Should I do that, Lord? And I was desperate. So, you know, anytime you're desperate and you're overly emotional, you know what you ask. I said, God, I need a sign here. 
You're going to have to give me something. I need to see some dew on the ground. You got to send some, some turbulence on the plane. Something. I need something. I need some emotional assurances in this moment, God. Can you do it? I didn't care what type of sign it was, to be honest with you. And so I put my headphones back on, started the song over, kept crying. And then the lady next to me tapped me on the shoulder. I was like, why is this woman tapping me on the shoulder? I was like, this is odd. And she pulled out her phone and she showed me a meme on her phone. Now, I didn't know that it was God about to do something. My initial thought was, ma'am, why isn't your phone on airplane mode? Because this is dangerous, what you're doing, isn't it? You're putting my life in danger at this moment. I, I, I didn't know. That, at least that's what I thought when I Googled about it. I, I, you're supposed to put your phone on airplane mode. And then the message, she showed me this meme and it said, pursue those things that set your hearts on fire. And then the next thing I know, this Birmingham real estate agent that was a member of a church, of the church that I was just at, said, I feel like God is telling me to tell you that he's going to do all those things that you've been asking him about. He's going to do them. And, and friends, I don't know about you, but I was assured at that point because not only did it change the trajectory of our life, but it reminded me that God hears those silent prayers in cheap seats on planes when we can barely articulate our thoughts. Like, I don't know what you're going through today, but I want you to know that God hears your prayers. And I want you to know that he hears those tears so much so that in, in Psalm 56, he talks about how I capture all your tears in a bottle. He cares about the liquid language. And it was at that point when I was on that plane that I just began to hear this word, accelerate, accelerate. I, had, I knew what that means, sort of, but uh, uh, I just kept on feeling that. And it was in this, and on the second flight, that's when God connected this verse in my heart today. And friends, God put this vision in our heart at, for, to, to accelerate. And um, we thought when we were at the church in Camden, that is exactly what was going to happen. Uh, we were across the street from a trash dump or right next to a trash dump and across the street from one of the most dangerous projects. Um, and it wasn't an ideal situation, but we saw God accelerate. We said, God, you know, we're going to, by faith, we're going to take the barbed wire down off of this fence. Because apparently barbed wire is not welcoming of people coming to your church. I didn't know. <laughs> Had no idea at the time. I said, you know what? Maybe we should clean up the kids' space here. Why don't we paint the wall? I got a brilliant idea. How about we have a check-in system for the kids? And we get the volunteer workers background checks so they can have some assurances that we're actually taking care of their children. I was like, my wife was like, boy, that's brilliant. We need to do it. And let me just tell you, God accelerated the vision during that season. We saw 43 people baptized in two years. We saw church. We saw the weekly attendance triple, and my wife and I were like, this is it. We're accelerating. But then God began to nudge on us that maybe we needed to start or, or, or fulfill the original vision that he put on our hearts as we were on that connecting flight from Birmingham to Charlotte. That, that even though this was beautiful, he wanted to do something a, a little bit better. And I didn't understand it at the time. I was like, God, you know, we're already accelerating here. People are already coming to meet Jesus right in this place. How come? What is the purpose of starting over? And this is what I realized, that in Acts 8, we see this story of Philip in the middle of a, of a revival in Jerusalem. He's, he's thriving. He's doing very, very well. He's seeing people come to Jesus. And then the next thing you know, God tells him, hey, I want you to go to Gaza. 
Because there's an Ethiopian eunuch, which is not necessarily in Ethiopia, but in an area in the sub-Sahara, and they need to meet Jesus. And what I realize is that sometime God will call you from fruitful places into the desert. But when he calls you into the desert, what he reminds you is that I am the oasis that will sustain you while you're in the desert. Oh, y'all not talking to me in here today, church. I'm just saying that some of y'all are in the desert right now. Some of y'all have been looking for rain and some of you have been looking for God to show up and do some mighty and miraculous things. And he's like, I got you in the desert, but I'm going to sustain you while you're there. I'm going to make sure you have the community around you and I'm going to provide for your family just to remind you that I don't need ideal circumstances in order for you to thrive. You don't need it. You don't need that thought leader to give you that stamp of approval. You don't need all the money in the bank for you to accomplish that thing. God is like, I know how to do more with less. And I thrive in taking little things and seeing them compound and turn into amazing things. Victory Family Church, what I'm trying to tell you is that God will take the little bit of your kingdom initiative and your kingdom builder, and he will take it and turn it into something miraculous that you couldn't even imagine. And so, church, we were really excited about the vision of this church. We were excited about what God was doing in Camden. But, but in the middle of the pandemic, we, let, let me just tell you, uh, don't follow our plan on how to shut down the church in a pandemic. Uh, it was a bad plan. We can write a book on how to not end one church and start another. Uh, we did a sermon series called The Last Dance. Um, because the bull series, yes, exactly. I'll let you get the laugh out because it was, it was terrible. Uh, and we did it on Zoom. I mean, we did it on Facebook Live. We were like, hey, we're going to do the last dance. I had my predecessor preach the last sermon, and it felt like a funeral. It was awful. But here's the thing. Here's what I realized is though, though we messed up in how we ended it, sometime God needs to have a funeral for something so that, can get, so that you can give birth to something that he's really trying to start. And so... Amen. We had to clean that up because that, uh, that last dance thing was terrible, by the way. Still get flack for it today, but that's when God began to nurture this idea of Accelerate Church, that we were going to be an ethnically and economically diverse church that makes an impact in the Delaware Valley region, a place that we call Accelerate City now. And so as we were on that flight from Charlotte to Philadelphia, we were excited about this new thing. You know, because when God gives you a vision, like it's an exciting thing. You're like, woo, can't wait. But here's the thing about vision. We see the baby or we see the vision as an adult, but we really struggle with it when it's a baby. And so what was happening was we were like, okay, we want to see this thing happen, God, uh, but we don't have any money. And uh, we don't have a tribe. God, I don't have any systems. Um, I don't have anyone to speak into this vision. So we went to this meetup in Delaware. This pastor's meetup. There's a bunch of pastors around. We got a chance and opportunity to connect with them. And, and the host pastor, Pastor Mark Johnson, whom I love, was like, hey, we're all going to, all the pastors, I want you to come into the green room. And uh, I want you to go and introduce yourself and have some conversations with people that are there. Um, and I don't know about you, but um, I'm a little bit of an introvert. Any little bit of introverts in the building uh, today? So I, I'm not used to kind of introducing myself and all that type of stuff. And, and so my heart was beating 165,000 beats per minute. And I was kind of scanning the room. I was like, okay, I got to talk to somebody. Uh, so I walked over to this gentleman who's by himself and I kind of introduced him to my, introduced myself to them. And, um, and I later found out that it was Pastor John. <laughs> and so I'm up there talking 
you know, up there with the pleasantries, like, hey, how you doing? Boom, boom. Yeah, he's like, hey, 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 it's good. It's good to hear from you. Love you. Um, but one thing I love about Pastor John is he knows how to cut to the chase. You know, he's a Holy Spirit, spirit-filled man. Speaking tongues for breakfast, I know. And so, and so he said, all of that is good. You know, he said, but uh, tell me the vision in your heart, son. And I was like, oh, we're going there immediately. Cool, Third, conversations. 36 minutes into the conversation, amen, because that's how I like to do relationships, right? So, so we got, I get, began to uh, explain the vision and tell him about what God has put in my heart and kind of explain to him some of the, the, the fears that I was having. And he said to me, son, I, th- I believe that what God has given you is a kingdom vision and it's a God vision and it's a God dream. In fact, he began to tell me about the kingdom builders initiative. And then the next thing you know, a few months later, we flew out here to Pittsburgh or drove out to Pittsburgh. He introduced me to Pastor Steve and at that moment, they invested $25,000 into us from the Kingdom Builders Initiative Church. He had only known me 25 minutes. That's why I love people that are discerning. It's because they can make decisions in an instant that would take some folks a longer time. And so I want you to know, church, that because of your generosity over the last few years and and this year, you were able to sow into our church, give us the largest gift that we have had, and it enabled us to plant churches. It enabled us to have uh, have our souls encouraged. It enabled us to find a worship space and get the church off of the ground. What a beautiful thing. And so, church, not only... Is it uh, 2 Thessalonians 3.1, kind of a, a, a vision of what happened at our church. It's also a synopsis of how the kingdom builders has accelerated the vision of ACTV. Can I tell you the four ways that it happened? Is that all right? Okay, here's the first way. Number one, we grew larger. Somebody say grew larger. This is what Paul says. This is how he starts off the verse. He says, in addition... I like that. If you don't know the Apostle Paul, he started churches all along the Mediterranean region in the first century. I mean, this guy was a multilingual scholar that can speak Aramaic and Greek and Hebrew and a myriad of other languages. Um, And he was a fantastic scholar, a a masterful communicator. Um, But one thing that I really love about Paul is that he had a lot to say and he was the king of run-on sentences. King of run-on sentences. I mean, Paul's longest sentence, get this, was 202 words. Now, let me give you some context. The average sentence is 15 to 20 words. So that means that Paul was just putting sentences together on top. They didn't have Grammarly. They didn't have spell check. They didn't have any of those things. So Paul's putting all these sentences together, uh, right? So anytime he says, it, what it means is that he has a lot to say. And so he goes here, he says, in addition, anytime Paul says that, it means that his body of work is about to grow. And can I tell you in the same way that his body of work is about to grow, that the body of Christ in Cherry Hill called Accelerate Church grew in 2022 because of your generosity. Can I tell you that we had 17 people rededicate their life to Jesus? That 18 people put their faith in Christ. Yes, that, that, that 344 people attended our church for the first time amazing that each Sunday we have right around 250 people that attend on Sunday mornings. Friends, 
I'm up there, but some service just crying, thankful to God for the vision that God has given us and for your investment because our victories are your victories. And on top of that, we have baptized 31 people this year. God has done a work, Victory Church. But not only that, we have, not only have we grown larger, but we've also grown smaller. That's the second thing. It's beautiful. Paul says, in addition... This growth, brothers and sisters. I, I love the, the, how Paul describes this. He, he describes it, he describes us as the household of faith, the household of faith. And in New Testament times, the households were uh, members of your immediate family and your extended family. And he loves to use this familial language because he's talking about how people that put their faith in Jesus should have close-knit and tight-knit bonds, right, right? We are, we are the people that are welcoming the lost sons and daughters of Christ to come home. And so, so Paul calls this, like he, he, he talks about it as we're tight-knit relational groups. And, and I like to say that we grew smaller because we were, able to get peop- we were able to get people in our small groups or our crews like we call them. We launched 20 of those crews the last semester by the grace of God. And it's beautiful. Like some, some of my folks, I mean, they're, they're fresh, fresh from the world and I love it. Yeah, I, I love it. They're, they're like, Pastor, why do I need to get into a crew? And I tell them, like, listen, you want to be in a group of five to 15 people that are doing life together and going in the same spiritual direction, right? But they're, they're shallow enough where they're like a pool. They're shallow enough where if you want to be in a mommy's group and just have a coffee meet up because you've been living life and you're kind of lonely, or whether you want to study John Stott's commentary on the book of Romans, you can do it. But one thing God wants you to do is not do life alone. He wants you to know family, that Christianity is not a spectator sport and it's not an individual event. He wants you to do life with other people and they're like, pastor, sign me up. (laughs) We've been able to launch this. So we grew smaller and we grew larger. Here's the third thing we did. We were able to grow deeper in prayer. The thing I love about prayers is how we, the human soul communicates with the God that created it. Right, right. God has some things that he wants to do in his well. I like how Tony Evans describes it. All of our houses are wired for electricity. The electricity is what's communicated through the wires in order for us to have uh, power for our iPhones and our off-brand devices called Androids. And so, you like that? That was funny. I thought that was funny. I thought that was funny. It doesn't fly in my church when I make that joke. It doesn't fly. And so you have, you have the energy is conveyed through the wire. So if you've paid your bill, we have PSNG, so if you paid your bill, there's, a, there's a, an allotment of power that you can access. But in order for you to access that power, what do you have to do? You have to flip the switch. Because once you flip the switch, the juice is able to flow. And can I tell you, church, that when we pray, we are able to access the resources of heaven. We're able to see the power of God and the hope of heaven come down into the chaos of earth. We're able to see the, the God of heaven come down into history and make a big difference. And can I tell you, church, that during the year of 2022, we prayed for a total of 1,300 hours as a church on Zoom. On Facebook, we, we've just been praying. Why? Because we believe it's the secret sauce of our church. We believe that God wants to do some things. But in order for him to do some things, we've got to pray. 
And let, let me just solicit to you personally. I know some of you are expecting God to show up big, but a lot of what you see at your fruit, bearing your fruit is connected to your prayer life. That if we would pray and believe in faith that God will and can do it, he can bring it to fruition in our lives, but he won't until the people of God pray. Are y'all hearing with me today, church? So we grew in prayer. Here's the fourth thing. We grew deeper in our generosity. We grew deeper in our generosity. Uh, This is where we derive the the word accelerate. He says spread rapidly. You see that word? I pray that the word of God would spread rapidly. When you see this word spread rapidly, Paul is actually employing a term, like like a sports term. So what he's doing is I love him. He believes in contextualizing his message for the audience in which he's speaking to. And so he's like, hey, I want you to understand how I see the gospel. And so I'm going to become Shannon Sharp or Stephen A. Smith. And I want you to know that the gospel is like an Olympic sprinter. Like, I don't know about you, but I went to the pin relays with my wife a few years ago. Oh, it was fun. We saw Usain Bolt on the four by 100 relay. The room was electric. It went crazy. It was so electric that I took the Jamaican flag from the couple next to me and I just became Jamaican in that minute. I was like, woo. I was like swinging the flag around and everything. But as, the, as Usain was running down the, the track, the, the, everybody went crazy. We put our hands in the air. We were screaming. And what Paul is saying is that I see the gospel just like that. He's saying I see the gospel like an Olympic sprinter that's running all around the Mediterranean region in the first century. I, I see the gospel running in, in Italy and I see it running in Achia and Greece and all these people, all these places. And can I tell you, church, that the same vision that Paul had 2,000 years ago is the same vision that we have as a church at Accelerate Church. We just want to see the gospel run. We want to see the gospel sprint and accelerate at such a rate that people who are far from God realize that they can be welcomed home and realize that they have a God that wants to welcome them unconditionally. We want nominal Christians, the ones that will come and uh, only, only participate on Easter and Sunday, we want them to experience rebirth. And if you're, a fan, if you're a friend of God, if you call yourself a Christian today, we want to see your heart set on fire for the gospel so that you can reach your coworkers and your friends and your aunties and your cousins for the glory of Jesus. Friends, when the gospel runs... People who are far from Jesus get saved. People who don't know Christ are like, I don't know what it is, but I just feel drawn to come to Christmas at the movies. I I don't know what it is. Like maybe it's the scripts. Maybe it's, I don't know what it is, but that's what we want to see happen, church, is see the gospel spread. Now you might be wondering, how does the gospel do that exactly? I think it's three ways. First way is through what I describe as proclamation. Proclamation, this is is what we just say. We, We describe this as evangelism. Evangelism is when you just share not only your testimony, but the story of Jesus. When you tell them about the Palestinian Aramaic speaking Jew from the Middle East who took your punishment and my punishment on the cross of Calvary, who had all of the sins of the past, present and future poured out on him. And then that when I put my faith in him, he fixes and repairs my broken life, not only so I can make it to heaven so that I can bring heaven down into this broken and chaotic earth. When you tell people like, no, the reason that I love Jesus is because the message of the gospel is not based upon simply what he said. Our life is not based simply on the Beatitudes. It's based upon what he did on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago, that he experienced the death. He experienced my death in my place so that I can experience eternal life. We need to proclaim the gospel. But not only do we need to proclaim it, we need to demonstrate it. 
and we demonstrate the gospel, sometimes people need to hear the gospel. Other times they need to see the gospel. And so that's why churches are, are a part of, like Victory Family Church are a part of stepping in the gaps of places where there's inequities by, by, by going and silencing the voice of oppression. Here, here's the thing. It's hard for people to hear the gospel when they're hungry. It's hard for them to hear the gospel when they feel like there's inequities in the school district. It's hard for them to hear the gospel at times when they're struggling with poverty and homelessness and a myriad of other things. And so the church can be generous like this church is generous in the sense that you help turn down the suffering so that you can turn up the voice of our Lord who's come to seek and to save. And lastly, church, we believe that the gospel runs through contribution. It re- runs through contributions. Your feet can run much further than your finances. Your, your finances can run much further than your feet ever could. Like, like I, here's the thing. I know that when we talk about money sometimes, we uh, look at it through the lens of our experiences and our family history and our cultural perceptions. But I assure you that churches like Victory Family Church and churches like Accelerate Church are not after your life savings. We're after your life. We're after your life. We, we, we want to see. But here's the thing. God has some problems in the world that he wants to fix. And he wants to use your money and the money he's given you as the solution or the conduit to it. Right? So he wants you to be a conduit to bless others. Like, listen, it's nothing wrong with donating to charities and a, and a myriad of other causes. That's a beautiful thing. But what we see in the history of Christianity is that when the church pulls together their resources, they're able to make an indelible impact. And so, like, you don't give to a church, you give through a church. If you want to give towards seeing people and leaders develop, that's why you give to a church. If you want to see church planters planted or or churches planted in Maine, like Pastor Matt last week, or in New Jersey, that's why you give to the kingdom builders, because you're impacting people and reaching folks that you may never see, like my wife and I. We pull together our resources. Can I just tell you, friends, as I come to a close, that because of your giving, you have made a significant impact. Because of that, Accelerate Church has been able to give away thousands of book bags at our annual outreach. We've been able to cover tens of thousands of dollars through RIP medical debt. We've been able to buy gifts and presents for those in need in Camden, New Jersey. We've been able to renovate a dance studio. We've given out mini duct air conditioning system. We've bought groceries and, and get this church. Um, we, we, we have a great partnership with the Camden City School District. And a few years ago, we did something called a not so extreme makeover. Not so extreme. And so we realized that some of the low hanging fruit is our teachers lounges in our schools. And so we renovated the teachers lounges. We got some Ikea furniture in there. We painted the wall, put a TV up. And then after we did that, we, we built a calming room for our children that come from economically depressed areas and they may be struggling, but then they can come into this room and they can decompress and they can pray and just breathe and just take a pause from all the chaos around them. And it was such a big hit that we are on the, in the process now of building a calming room in every school in Camden City because of your generosity. Church, our victory is your victory. And you know how much we love church planning. And even though we didn't have all the money to do it, we did this anyway. But we gave $25,000 away to church planning in 2022. 
And let me just tell you, Victory Church, that you're making an immense difference, that you're impacting the world for Christ's glory, like your generosity is running much faster than your feet ever could, and you're making a difference. But let me just say, isn't your generosity a product of what the gospel is? Wasn't God the Father generous with us? He knows that for every sin each and every one of us has committed, it would require us to pay for that sin in an eternity in hell and an eternity away from him. And our, and our fine against him was imminent. It was, it was immense. It was something that we could never pay for on our own. The cost was too great. It's not enough good deeds we could do to overcome the debt that we owe to God. But 2,000 years ago, he said, rather than letting them die in eternity away from me, I'm going to send my son Jesus as my best offering to endure the sin. So 2,000 years ago, he treated the cross of Calvary like a credit card reader. And he swiped his body through the credit card reader on that cross and paid for all of our sins from the past, from the present, and from the future. All of those things that we have done, those nefarious things we have thought about. All the times that we've cussed out our boss in our mind, all the, the greedy and devious and evil thoughts on the cross of Calvary, Jesus paid it all. But I don't know about you, anytime I make a payment, it often takes, when you stick your, your, your debit card into the credit card reader, it has to take some time to process, does it not? You don't get your receipt immediately. And so when Jesus died on that cross and he said, Tetelestai, that it is over, it is reconciled, he let the payment process all evening on Friday. Then the process, it began to process all day on Saturday and then all day Saturday evening. But in the words of the old preacher, early Sunday morning, Jesus rose from the grave with all power in his hand. The old preacher would say that he had time in one hand and eternity in the other hand. Let me just tell you, anytime I pay for something, I expect a receipt because a receipt is indicative that a payment has gone through. And let me just tell you that 2,000 years ago when Jesus rose from the grave, it was a receipt to let us know that our past, our present, our future, all of our sins has been paid for on the cross of Calvary. The wrath of God has been satisfied. The punishment for breaking the law has been taken care of. The penalty of sin has been covered because our Jesus paid for it on the cross of Calvary, friends. Let me just tell you, that's why we do this. That's why we do this. That's why we contribute to the kingdom builders. It's because we're being more and more like the Father. We're being more like Jesus, who said, rather than me staying in the comforts of heaven, I'm going to come down into the chaos of earth. I'm going to endure the shame. I'm going to endure the punishment. I'm going to push back the darkness. And what I'm going to do is die on behalf of all of us so that we can enjoy the fruits of his eternal joy. And so, friends, I just want to tell you today that when you participate in this, you're becoming more and more like Jesus. And you're making an impact all around the world and all around this region for the glory of Jesus. Amen, church. I'm going to turn. Hallelujah. I want to turn the service over to Pastor John, but do you mind if I pray for you and all those on the campus right now? Dear Jesus, we thank you so much that you were the eternal sacrifice for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you endured the shame. You are the ultimate kingdom builder. You are the one, oh God, 
who did not spare even your own son, but died on a rugged cross for our sins, Lord. And so, Lord, we celebrate you today and we thank you. I thank you for Victory Family Church. I thank you for the indelible impact that they've been able to have over the last few decades. God, you have used them innumerably. Father, I'm praying for all those who are far away from you. May you draw them to yourself right now in the mighty name of Jesus. So, Lord, we love you. We honor you in Jesus' name. If you agree with that today, why don't you say? Thank you so much. Come on, give him a great hand. Thank him, would you, for coming and sharing with you. Praise God. With all of our campuses, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you have the wonderful opportunity to hear an incredible message of God's goodness and how much God loves you and that he paid the debt for your sin and mine. Heaven and hell is real. They're real. And Jesus paid an awesome price for you and he paid an awesome price for me. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to give you the opportunity to receive a Savior, not a religion, not a list of things that you need to do to try to make God love you or forgive you. You can't do that. I can't do that. We were helpless. That's why God so loved us that he sent his son. So with every head bowed and every eye closed at all of our campuses, in a moment, I'm going to ask you if you desire to receive Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. And if you do, I'll ask you to simply raise your hand and say, I want to receive him. Now, here's all that's going to happen. After you do that, then we will pray a prayer out loud together with you right where you're seated in all the campuses. If you're online, you can do it wherever you're at. We're not going to single you out. This isn't about making you stand up. This isn't about your heroics. It's about his. And I want to give you the opportunity to to receive the son of the living God into your life. And when you receive Christ, your sin debt is canceled. He makes you brand new as if sin never existed. And you can then walk with him as the Lord of your life for the rest of your life. What a great privilege that is. So with every head bowed and every eye closed in all of our campuses, now between you and, and the God that loves you so much, he paid the debt for your sin that you couldn't pay. If you say, Pastor, please include me in that prayer. I want to receive Christ to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Right where you're at, right where you're seated. To you simply at all of our campuses, just simply raise your hand right now. We're going to pray for you in just a moment. Do it right now. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. You could, you could put your hands back down. Listen, if you raised your hand, but listen to this, or you should have, you have the opportunity right now to pray a prayer. And I don't mean some religious thing that goes into thin air, but the God of the universe will respond to your cry and he turns no one away. No one. And if you invite Christ into your life, listen, no one is turned away. He will come. Your sin will be canceled and make you brand new. So if you raised your hand or you should have, please pray this out loud where you hear it. And all of us at all the campuses are going to pray it out loud together with you. Now pray it where you hear it. Say, Heavenly Father, at all of our campuses, pray it where you hear it. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. He died on a cross to bear my sin debt. He paid it for me. He died for me. He was buried for me. And he rose from the dead. And he conquered death for me. I open the door of my life and my heart. And Jesus, I receive you now to be the Savior of my life and the Lord of my life. Thank you for coming. I am now a child of God. My sin debt is canceled. And when I die, 
I am heaven bound because Jesus is the Lord of my life. Amen, amen. And all of our campuses, would you celebrate with them? Come on. So remarkable. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Victory Family Church. If you enjoyed listening, please take a moment to rate, review, and share. For more resources, including locations and service times, please visit lifeatvictory.com.